to making business profitable with EGS. What is EGS? It's EBITDA Growth Systems. What is EBITDA? EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Why is EBITDA important? Because it tells you how much your business is worth. This podcast is brought to you by EBITDA Growth Systems, where we guarantee to double your profits within three years or give you your money back. Today's episode is going to be a little bit more about who we are as EGS. My name is Mike Watkins, and I'm here with Dave Kapkovitz, and uh, we're EGS. Hey, welcome, Mike. It's great to have you. We're always on the same show and looking forward to adding guests, and I'm Dave Kapkovitz. Uh, a little bit about myself is uh, I come from small business. I started out actually as a toolmaker. So uh, where'd you start out, Mike? Um, I started out uh, in the bowels of... Uh, AT&T as a uh, accounts payable clerk using uh, mainframe accounting systems back in the day. Really? Did you start out as an accountant? No, I started out as an accounting clerk. I, my undergrad was in English and I had started my MBA by that time. So I was getting exposed to a little bit of accounting and finance, but I knew nothing about accounting and finance. So what got you to college? I mean, did you want to play ball? I, you wanted to play ball, right? Yeah, I went, went to upstate New York, University of Rochester, to play basketball and, and uh, Division three schools, so there weren't scholarships. So I got an academic scholarship, and it was in English, and that's why I was an English major. Well, hence, uh, hence you're a good writer. That, that comes in handy. Uh, yeah, I think I learned it along the way, but I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I love 17th century literature. I love Shakespeare. I mean, I, I mean, I just love that genre. So it worked out. Awesome. Well, awesome. So what, uh, what'd you do after undergrad? Um, so when you graduate with an English major, I don't think there's any jobs for English majors. There weren't back then and they probably aren't now. So, uh, I got married shortly after, uh, undergrad and, and uh, knew that I wanted to be an attorney, so I uh, went and. Uh, but my, my undergrad GPA was so so poor that I thought that I needed to do an interim degree. So I went and got an MBA before going to law school. And uh, so I worked during the day and went to school at night, and uh, ended up finishing up in Maryland. I was in the greater DC area working for Large Systems Integrator. By the time I finished my MBA and and uh, started my uh, law degree. Nice. And, and any specific kind of law? Well, there's a type of law that's uh, it's really construction law that uh, applies to federal government contracting. And uh, so I was doing, uh, I practiced in what was called the General Services Administration Board of Contract Appeals. So GSBCA, they had a special administrative forum. And so if you were a large Beltway uh, Bandit, and you bid on a federal contract, if you lost it, you automatically protested. And the protest was heard within the GSBCA. Nice. And so once you, once you got through that, walk me through your career a little. Um, so really good run with that systems, administra- uh, systems integrator. In fact, we ended up being acquired by a firm out of Houston. We were publicly traded at the time. So that was a pretty good, pretty good pop for me. And so my wife and I decided, hey, let's get back to Colorado because we had lived in Colorado before. So we moved back out here and uh, I jumped on as a 
president and CEO of a startup e-learning company. The technology came out of Cape Canaveral uh, space program. So uh, we had the first e-learning solution um, in the market. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. We ended up selling that to Boeing, so that was my second exit, and I thought they were going to start lining up, but I haven't had an exit since then, um, but just learned a tremendous amount. So when did you get into small business? You got into small business after that, right? Yeah, after I uh, after we sold to Boeing, I just kind of decided that uh, you know what I'll do is training and development, because I had learned to do that at, uh, at, the, at that firm, and uh, I started delivering training and development to Fortune 100 companies really all over the world. Yeah, how many countries have you been to? Uh, well, well how, many countries have you, yeah. how many countries have you presented? Uh, probably eight, eight or nine, eight or nine company, uh, countries. And, uh, and, and, and I enjoyed that, but uh, it's really hard to have an impact on a Fortune 100 company. I mean, you know, I'll train 1,500 people, but they'll turn over 10,000 people. You're trying to move it a point or two, yeah, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I decided I really wanted to bring that solution to small to medium-sized businesses. But what I discovered is small to medium-sized businesses don't place a tremendous amount of value on the training and development of their managers. So that was a, that was a little disappointing. Um, but I did find that small to medium-sized businesses have a real concern about um, succession planning, exits, profitability, those are the those are the words that uh, that that the small and medium-sized business owner hears. So that was my uh, Trojan horse, if you will. So on on the technical side, you're you're strong on accounting. You have an accounting background. You have a legal background. And you have a training background with building curriculum and delivering a curriculum, management, succession, and planning. You've really camped in those groups, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's interesting, Dave, because when I was um, in the greater DC area and I was kind of finishing up my law degree and um, well I had finished my law degree I'm a member of the Pennsylvania bar and I was practicing law and I was like this sucks I really do not like this I did not like practicing law and so I was like man I've just did you know four years at night of law school the hell am I gonna do now and it was at that time that I said you know the ideal job for me would be to be a consultant where I'm helping a firm with all aspects of, of, of its operation. Um, that, that, you know, I had that vision even back then. Nice, yeah. nice. So, so how about yourself, Dave? Tell me a little bit more about your background. Well, um, as a youngster, I started working in a machine shop and a weld shop probably around, goodness gracious, 13, 14 years old. So Seriously. I've been in the metal, metal trade since then. And, wow. uh, Got married young, um, went from there to working in an organization in Indiana and went through the tool and die apprenticeship, the old German tool and die apprenticeship, and where people teach you how to grind and teach you how to file and teach you how to assemble and, and work with stamping dies and work with uh, molding presses and, and rubber transfer molds, did a, some work on rubber transfer molds and really got into fixturing, design, processing as far as uh, like you're going to machine apart from what angle and how and what yeah. kind of machine. So I worked, I worked for a couple people and really 
it's like, man, you know, I, I think I could probably do this better myself. Is it common? Is it common to have a an apprenticeship like that, a German apprenticeship for two of a dime? No, no, not anymore. Uh, a lot of people go to school and learn how to run a CNC machine, but uh, I grew up on manual machines, learning manual lays and manual mills. Worked with some really cool people, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, doing the handwork is is totally different than today. People don't go through that anymore. Sure, But sure. it taught me a lot about the manual way of machining, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah, started my first company, I think I was, see, I was 21, right after our second child was born. Yeah, I started young, got married young. Shortly after I got married, had my first kid. So you just, you cut the entrepreneurial bug immediately then? Yeah, yeah, I think I started mowing grass for money when I was nine or 10. Yeah, wow. When I was nine or ten, man, I was playing football, baseball, basketball, whatever, whatever I could get my hands on. I wasn't thinking about working, that's for sure. <laughs> I was too, but I needed to put gas in my car when I got a car and had to buy a car, right? So, um, but yeah, started my first company and didn't have any money. So I, I took two hundred dollars and I started a, a landscaping company in about three years. We were mowing about thirteen hundred acres a week, Yikes. and took some of that money and. It's like, you know, I want to get back to the metal metal side of business. So I bought a uh, I bought a generator welder and started doing some on-site welding and repair, fabrication repair for a large foundry. Um, and from there, I saved up money and bought my first mill and lathe and got into machining. And then I needed to start shipping that stuff. So I saved up some money and I bought my first semi-truck. And, oh, then, and then after that was going, someone says, hey, can you build this? I'm like, sure. So I needed to buy my first crane so I bought a 50 ton RT crane a Grove crane and just grew that enterprise and then uh, I got to working in 50 different directions at once and managing just a lot at 26 27 28 years old and decided to, to really sell off um, the different divisions the landscaping the welding the environmental and really just focus on the tool and die side start getting into the orthopedics uh, side of life making uh, implants and surgical instruments on the orthopedic side just love that just loved it and then uh, I wound up selling that company in 2010 and went to work for one of my customers really enjoyed that uh, got me all around the country and working in surgical rooms and working with uh, engineers developing the latest and greatest uh, implant or instrument and working with cadavers and just love that and then grew that into a, a VP role and a C-level role, and then where I, I ran my own plant here, making uh, getting into the surgical robotics yep, and working yep. in some aerospace and space work. So that's kind of the, the quick evolution of, of my background. It's interesting how we both ended up at uh, an executive role, C-level roles, pretty large organizations, and we just, we approach it from totally different uh, vantage points. I mean, we got to the same place, but we, we had a totally different have to get there. Yeah, one of the neat things that came out of owning a few companies, when you're young, you, you surround yourself by people that, that work hard. And I was able to glean some high school kids, uh, kids, high school people yeah. that would contribute. And one of those went on to be uh, quite a good tradesman, a plumber. And then he came to me years later and asked me to invest and help him start a plumbing and heating company. Um, I did that in the midst of this as well. And that was really, that still is very fun to work with those guys. So been I'm just loving on the trades. Um, and then I met you a couple years ago. Well, I had, I had a similar uh, uh, off-ramp for a second. I, uh, here in the greater Denver area, um, 
I had a civil construction company because I bought into the notion that yeah, if you can manage, you can manage anything. And that only cost me about 600 grand or so. Uh, we had a road and bridge construction company for four years. We did erosion control, landscape, fencing, guardrail, uh, seating. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I got to drive a great big truck and I just enjoyed, at the end of the day, seeing the work product. You know, it's start of the day you have nothing, at the end of the day you have something. That's a little different than in the software arena or you know some of the other areas that I've worked in. So I really enjoyed that, but I just couldn't get the uh, I couldn't get the uh, the estimating down. Yeah, I uh, along the way I, I had a finance guy offer to you know add some cash flow into one of the companies I owned and kind of step in, and um, that wasn't the best decision I ever made either. He, yeah. he uh, he kind of legaled me up pretty hard, and I learned a really uh, group of hard lessons there. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a poor experience uh, partnering with the wrong person, and learn those uh, learn those lessons very early. Those are the best lessons, though. I mean, those those when I when I look back on my career, the the uh, the ones that hurt were the ones that I remember, and the ones that I that I learned from. Um, I was always one to pick myself up, dust myself off, and say, you know, you guys are making a mistake, not me. But um, I, you know, I had a, a a handful of people who kind of spoke into me and kind of served as my board of directors, if you will. And so uh, I always had some pretty good direction, but um, resilient, always resilient. When I uh, when I sold my uh, tooling company, my machining company, and I moved on to working for one of my clients and. They, they taught me the breadth of how to reach out and how to sell, basically how to not just sell to three or four customers, but how to reach a hundred customers. And, and that was wonderful. And then someone heard, hey, this guy's doing really good there. And, and they offered me a vice president position. And I went there and, and there I learned value of extreme technical expertise and, and how valuable that is in the market. And then from there, a company offered me a phenomenal position in Philadelphia. And I learned there, I learned value, and I and I learned uh, SPC, statistical process control, and understanding the data. With the, and anytime you make a part, the part gives you data back and how to control that data. And I worked with a phenomenal SPC guy, continuous improvement guy. And then my boss really spoke into data, 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 show me why, you know, how do you know, asking it great questions. Then I worked with a, a sales guy, Steve Keel, a little shout out to you, telling me, what the value of the product is. Don't give it away, man. You've got a ton of value here. And and you don't have to sell a product for 50 bucks. You can sell it for 75 because you're better than the next guy. Sure, sure. Um, so a lot of really awesome things. And then working for a CEO, the early CEO, Mark Kemp for Tikamet. What a wonderful person to work for. Him and, and Dan Howe were great and very instrumental in, in additional growth and management. And then uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike, introduced me to you. Yes. And uh, and we connected. So let's let's talk a little bit about how we connected. Yeah, I uh, this fellow named uh, Mike Hirsch. We'll give him a shout out. He had a uh, a machine shop uh, in the Boulder area, and, and I had worked alongside Mike for about ten years. And I was like, hey, Mike, uh, right now you're the chief cook and bottle washer, and if you want to grow this thing, you're going to have to get the next layer of management in place. And by the time we finished with Mike, he was uh, spending six months in Florida and his enterprise just continued to grow and was extremely profitable. And so he sold that company here recently. So uh, 
it's just a great game of business. I mean, and, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, it's a, just like football, baseball, basketball, you know, you have to have a strategy and you have to execute that strategy, make mid-course corrections. It's just a great game of business. Yeah, Mike was, uh, Mike was part of RMTMA and uh, he introduced me to you and, and we met at a coffee shop. Uh, basically, you were interviewing me whether you are going to take on a client. I was interviewing you whether I wanted to uh, use you in your curriculum to grow my management team. Yeah, yeah I do remember that. I, you, yeah, you and I embraced after our first meeting. Like, yeah, let's do this. So, that's, uh, I, I love developing managers. I love developing leaders. Uh, like I said, I love playing a great game of business, and I love playing it with you. So, uh, we have so much to share over the next few years as we continue to uh, share with our audience. And uh, this, this is fantastic. Yeah, when I met you, I read your book, Scaling the Exit, and I was like, wow, this is like every, I think the same way. And, and then we got to know each other more and more, and we uh, rebranded your previous company in last November, uh, EBITDA Growth Systems, and it's been, it's just been amazing as we work together from my experience being on one side of the fence to your experience being on the other side of the fence yeah, and yeah. how we speak that into the clients that we have and seeing, you know, cash flow, seeing these business owners' personal time grow and vacation and the second group of managers. And it's, it's just been companies that were looking to potentially close and now they're at a phenomenal point and even having opportunities to exit that they don't want to take. Sure, sure. All of this in the in the midst of a year where we had a pandemic. Um, so, you know, we're really bullish on 2021 for all of our clients and all of our potential clients. And uh, we say that's the game that's on the calendar. So you should play it well. And uh, so you take this. You mix it with a couple guys that have a passion for business. We love the great game of business. We we love how to teach. We love to teach people how to be profitable. Um, we both have the same passion for people, and we're both family guys. We we believe the same thing. Our true north is very very aligned, um, and it's been an awesome awesome experience so far. And look forward to many many years of it. Right on, Dave. Right on, Mike. systems do what we do because we want to impact lives through improving business performance if you want more information go to our contact page at www.ebitagrowsystems.com that's e-b-i-t-d-a growthsystems.com